There was a tragic accident right before the service. My water was spilled underneath the cabinet, okay? I'm not going to point any fingers. It's not in here right now, but that's okay. It's okay. The ice is gone. We still have water. It's good. It's good. Um, I want to thank Josh for leading us. For those of you who don't know Josh Orr and, and, his, and his dad, Jamie, his uh, mom, Kim, Josh has been a part of our youth group for some time, and he, he's been leading our students um, in worship on Wednesday nights. And so uh, as Alan had planned a vacation this week, he had asked Josh to fill in, and I think he did such a great job. Uh, if you've never had to do this and be on a stage in front of a bunch of people, um, it, it's a little tough. So Josh and I talked about, you know, when I first started ministry and all the nervous kind of things and uh, prayed with him about those kind of things and just said, man, you're going to be great. Just let the Lord use you. And uh, man, that was, that was awesome. That was awesome. Well, guys, I, I have a confession um, to make to you this morning. All right. And here's the confession. Ready? Um, sometimes, just sometimes, sometimes, occasionally, occasionally, I know what I'm supposed to do and I don't do it because I don't want to. Right? You guys have never had that problem. But occasionally, that is my problem. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do, but I don't do it because I don't like it. Um, Like, for instance, uh, my doctor wants me to get my cholesterol number down just a little bit. And so I went to the doctor. She said, hey, that is high. I don't like that number. I'm going to put you on some medication. I'm like, I don't want to do medication. I don't want to take something for the rest of my life. She goes, okay, I'm giving you three months to try it your way through diet and exercise. Right? And I'll be honest, I don't mind the exercise part of that. I love playing sports. I don't, I don't mind, you know, uh, working out. I, I, I hate to run, but I'll even do that. I, I don't mind the exercise part of it. But the diet part of it, not so good, because what she said to me is, you need a diet that's high in fiber. And, uh, and, and even recommended, you know, the best thing to get fiber is to eat the foods that contain fiber, not just to take a pill. And here's my problem, right? Because I know that one of the best foods that we can eat that's full of fiber is what I call broccoli. You know what I'm saying? You guys pronounce it broccoli. I pronounce it a little different. Broccoli. And, uh, and I, I know it's got huge amounts of fiber. And one cup of it is, you know, I mean, all these grams. It's supposed to be really good for you, all this kind of stuff. But when it comes to broccoli, I want you to know that I am in full agreement with our former president. I identify with George Herbert Walker Bush, who said this. See, we've got to... Um, just saying, man, if the president is good with it, right? Now, I, I grew up in, in the 90s watching Saturday Night Live, and Dana Carvey did the best impersonation of George Bush. And he was like, I'm not going to do it. No more broccoli. Wouldn't be prudent, right? And so I grew up in that whole phase. But the, the point is, right, regardless, and I, I did a straw poll today and uh, this week, and I promised everybody that I asked whether they like broccoli, they loved it. And I said, well, is there a vegetable you don't? Yeah, I don't like Brussels sprouts. I don't like asparagus. Okay, okay, at least. See, we all, we've all got something that we know we should be doing, but we don't do it really because we don't like it. And, and that kind of brings us to the habit of grace that I want to talk about this morning because the truth is, of all the habits we've talked about, this one might be the most important, but I'm going to tell you up front, it is probably the least liked habit by all Christians. 
So join me in a word of prayer as we prepare to wrap our hearts around the habit of Scripture memorization. All right, pray with me. Father, thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for leading us um, in worship. Uh, Thank you for drawing our hearts together and knitting us together and making um, all of these individuals that have different preferences, that have different hobbies, that have different habits. You knit us together by your spirit. You make us family by your name, Jesus. And so we we give you thanks and we give you praise. Holy Spirit, we want to pause and invite you into this uh, precious place. And we we come with expectations saying that we need to hear the word of God today. And we need to understand it. And we confess we can't do that on our own and by ourselves. And so Holy Spirit, we, we invite you now to come and to take your rightful place as the teacher of this church the teacher of us individually. We pray that you would lift up and exalt Jesus Christ and Jesus as you are lifted up to your proper place that you would draw us all closer to your heart that we might be sanctified, that we might be transformed into your image. Less of us and more of you, Lord. That is our prayer. We pray these things in Jesus Christ, holy, powerful, and precious name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So let's start by talking about the benefits of broccoli. I mean, um, scripture memorization. Uh, Let's talk about the the benefits of scripture memorization. Dallas Willard, the great theologian and professor, said this about scripture memorization. He says, Bible memorization is absolutely fundamental to spiritual formation. Okay? I mean, I want to say that first sentence again because I think this is huge. He says, Bible memorization is absolutely what? What is that? fundamental. That, that, that's like, like that, that, that's the base. That, that means this is really huge for us. So it says, Bible memorization is absolutely fundamental to spiritual formation. If I had to choose between all of the disciplines of the spiritual uh, life, I would choose Bible memorization because it is a fundamental way of filling our minds with what it needs. He goes on. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, That's where you need it. How does it get in your mouth? Memorization. Memorization. Many of you are familiar with the great uh, pastor Chuck Swindoll. Maybe you listen to him uh, every week in, in in his moments on the radio. Chuck Swindoll says this. He says, I know of no other single practice in the Christian life more rewarding, practically speaking, than memorizing Scripture. He says, no other single exercise pays greater spiritual dividends. Your prayer life will be strengthened. Your witnessing will be sharper and much more effective. He goes on and says this, your attitudes and your outlook will begin to change. Anybody need an attitude change? Man, you don't have to confess that in church. It's okay. Sometimes I do, right? So your attitudes, your outlooks will begin to change. Your, your mind will become alert and observant. Your confidence and assurance will be enhanced. I know nobody's ever struggled with assurance around here, right? So your assurance will even be enhanced. Your faith will be solidified. Your faith will be solidified. So, so those are, those are the, the, the reasons. Those are the dividends, right? And so this morning, um, when we start here with the importance of Scripture memorization, I just want to talk about the dividends that we see in the Bible, and specifically that we see in the life of our leader, right? The life of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we see these things throughout his life and his ministry. And so uh, what I want to do specifically this morning is, is give you four dividends, four benefits four places that Scripture memorization helps. And um, for the sake of, of memory... I'd use some alliteration, so they all begin with T, okay? 
Okay, four T's. We're going to help you out. Number one, number one, temptation. Number one. You want to know the first area that scripture memorization pays off big time? Ready? Temptation. Scripture memorization is one of our greatest weapons against temptation. Scripture memorization is one of our greatest weapons against temptation. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open up to the book of Matthew chapter 4. Now, we're going to be in our Bibles a lot today, so uh, you can either open one that you brought or one in the pew rack in front of you, or if you've got it on your phone, go ahead and click open your Bible app. We are going to be in Scripture a lot today. So I'm in Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. I'm just going to work through this together. Matthew 4, starting in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now before we move on, I want to notice some things that uh, Jesus was tempted by the devil himself right? He wasn't tempted by an underling. He wasn't tempted by an evil spirit. Those might be the kinds of things we face. No, Jesus stood face to face with the devil himself. And and the devil has two names here. He's the devil and he's also called the tempter because that's, that's who he is and that's what he does. The devil cannot make us sin. Rather, the devil tries to tempt us to sin, right? And that, that's his goal. This is what he's about. He's the father of life. And so, so the tempter comes to Jesus at a point of need. He's in the wilderness for 40 days. He's He's been fasting, and, 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 and the tempter begins to throw out his first temptation. I want you to notice the area of the first temptation. It was an area of immediate need in his life. It was an area of immediate need in his life. What, what are you in need of right now, right? Is it a little bit of money? Is, is it a little bit of time, a little bit of space, right? I just need a little me time. What, what is that area of your life that you've got a need in right now, because I want to tell you, this is where your, your red flag, your radar should go off, is that area that you've really got a need in, you've got to know that Satan is going to attack that need. He's going to attack that need. And so, so Jesus is here, and he's in need, he's hungry, and so it, the devil comes to him in verse 3, and it says, then the tempter approaches him and says, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Verse 4 says, Jesus answered, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so Jesus replies back in verse 4, and what he does there, which you may not realize, is he quotes scripture. It's Deuteronomy 8.3. Jesus is quoting scripture that he had memorized back to Satan in order to fight off temptation. He says back to a man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And so Satan presses further. Now, verse 5, then the devil took him to the holy city, and he had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. Now, get this. Now, Satan is going to quote scripture, right? Listen to me. The devil knows the Bible. Right? Now he's going to take it out of context, but the devil knows the Bible. This is why the Word of God says that we need to test the Spirit, that not every spirit is from God. And so, so here, the evil spirit, the captain, the chief of all evil spirits, is, is tempting our Lord. And what is he using? The Word of God. He's taking it out of context, just twisting it just enough. 
And so the devil himself says this as he quotes scripture. He says, he will give you, for it is written, he will give you angels, or he will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus tells in verse 7, it is also written, do not test the Lord your God. Again, look at this. Jesus quotes scripture. This is Deuteronomy uh, 6.16. Deuteronomy, he's quoting scripture back to him. And don't, don't put the Lord your God to the test, Jesus said. So Satan presses again. Again, verse 8, the devil took him to a very high mountain and he showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all of these things if you will fall down and worship me. It's interesting, the devil's trying to give Jesus something he's already got dominion over. So I'll give you all this stuff if you'll fall down and worship me. Verse 10, and then Jesus told him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And again, Jesus quotes scripture, Deuteronomy 6, 13, fear the Lord and serve him only. Okay? Every time that Jesus is tempted, even when Satan uses scripture, Jesus responds with a scripture that he had memorized. Now, I, I want to talk to you about temptation for a second. We know what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Here's a promise of God. This is a great promise. By the way, we all face temptation, okay? And so I, I'm, I'm talking to you about temptation because this is what's common to man. But I want you to understand that God's will for your life is that you overcome temptation. All right? God's will for your life is not that you settle for it, that you just say, well, it's okay, we all fall, we all stumble. No, God's will for your life is holiness. He wants you to walk in the Spirit. He wants you to trust Him more. And the more and more that you trust Him, the more and more you will be sanctified in the Spirit of God. The less and less you'll be prone to sin, the more and more you'll be prone to righteousness. And so God's will for your life is indeed that you would stand against temptation. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. It means you're not alone, by the way. That's good news. Not alone. But get this. He says, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. By the way, this is the most misquoted scripture on the face of the planet. God will never give you anything more than you can handle. It's a lie. God will allow you to come up against all kinds of things that you weren't meant to handle so that you will turn to him. That's the truth. And so, so the scripture, when somebody says, God never gives me anything more than I can handle, so well, actually that scripture says that the temptation you face is common to man, but when you face it, God will always provide a way out. So it says, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it. Now, I like to say that this way. God always gives us a way out of sin. He always gives us a way out of temptation. Here's our problem, I believe. Often we're not looking with spiritual eyes. Our problem is that most of the time we don't see it. Amen? In fact, I'm going to ask you a question with every point today. So here's my first question. How many of you would like a little help seeing the way out of temptation? When you face it. Anybody? Just two. Okay, there's a few more that struggle with things, right? You'd like a little, I mean, could you confess that? It's just sometimes I'm in the moment and I don't see the way out, right? I'm not looking with spirit. So Lord, sometimes I would like to see the way out. Let me just pose it. What if the key to seeing the way out 
was taking the Bible that you're holding in your hand and storing it up in your heart. What if that was... That, that certainly seemed to be the key for our namesake, for Jesus Christ, right? We're Christians. If that was the key for Christ, maybe that should be the same of us, right? That we would take the Bible that we hold in our hands, we would store it up in our hearts, and then maybe we would be more prone to seeing the way out, okay? So the first thing I want you to understand is, is scripture memorization is important when it comes to temptation, that we might be able to see the way out. Second thing I want you to see, second importance of scripture memorization has to do with teaching. Teaching. Scripture memorization is one of the greatest assets in making disciples. Scripture memorization is one of the greatest assets in making disciples. Now, now most of us know or have heard of the Great Commission, right? This is, I mean, next to the greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Next to the greatest commandments, this is, this is called our Great Commission. This is the great thing we're supposed to be doing. This is what we're supposed to be spending our lives on, is, is making disciples. So, uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus says, All authority on heaven and earth has been given unto me, therefore I say to you, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. That's what it is to make disciples. And, and, and the original language, by the way, it says, as you're going, right? as you're going, do this. Now, now, here's the deal. This is what I found with disciple making. Disciple making happens best right where you are. You may write that down. It may change your, your, your thought. of this. We think disciple-making happens best in the church. And when we say church, we don't actually even mean the gathering. We just mean the place, which the Bible never uses the word church to talk about a place. It's always about a people. Disciple-making tends to happen best right where you are. That's why the command is, as you are going, make disciples of all nations. As you're going. As you're going about life, as you're heading out from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the ends, as you go, Jesus says, make disciples. He knew that persecution was coming. He knew that these people would be, would be spread out. And he said, as you're spread out, don't stop sharing the message of the gospel. Okay? That, that, that's the deal. As you're going. In other words, we don't always have the luxury of grabbing people and pulling them into the church so that they can hear the gospel. We have to teach them right where they are. And again, Jesus is our chief example here. So now turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. And we're going to walk all through the scriptures this morning. But I'm in Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 23. Excuse me. Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 23. This is towards the end of Jesus' ministry. Uh, the Sadducees and the Pharisees are trying to catch Jesus in, in some kind of false saying. And there's kind of these, these questions that they pose to him over and over. And so I'm going to just begin reading in uh, verse 23 of Matthew chapter 22. It says, That same day, some Sadducees, who say that there's no resurrection, came up to him and they questioned him, Teacher, Moses said... If a man dies having no children, his brother is to marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, you remember how Satan used scripture to tempt Jesus? Guess what? Now the religious people are doing the same thing. Ever known somebody like that? <laughs> they, they seem to be religious and they're just trying to use the Bible as ammunition. 
So they, they, they try to use the Bible's ammunition against our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And they said, well, listen, Moses said this. And they're trying to catch him in, in, in some kind of uh, misstep. And it says, uh, now there were seven brothers. Now they're going to they're gonna put a hypothetical out there. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first got married and he died having no offspring. He left his wife to his brother. Then the same thing happened to his second and also the third and so on and so on to all seven. Last of all, the woman died. They said, in the resurrection, then, remember, they don't believe in the resurrection. In the resurrection, then, whose wife will she be of the seven? For they had all married her. And Jesus answered them, you are mistaken because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. You don't know the scriptures or the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Now, concerning the resurrection of the dead, haven't you read what was spoken to you by God? Then verse 32, he says, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now get this. Verse 32, Jesus is, is quoting and he's summarizing Exodus 3, 6 and 3, 15 and 16, which says this. Then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He says, uh, he is not the God of the dead, but he is the God of the living. And when the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Now, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. Now, they're going to step up and, and challenge Jesus. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which of uh, the commands in the law is the greatest? And he, that's Jesus, said to him, Love the Lord your God. This is in verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. And again, verse 37, what is Jesus doing? He is quoting scripture. That's from Deuteronomy 6.5. Jesus quoting scripture that he's memorized to people that have asked him a question. So he's teaching the crowds and he's teaching them using the word of God that he has hidden in his heart. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Let's read on verse 34. Uh, I'm sorry, verse uh, 38. He says, this is the greatest and most important command. And then we get to verse 39. He says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And again, Jesus quotes scripture. This time, Leviticus 19, 18. Do not take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community. What? But love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus, over and over and over, throughout his, his earthly ministry, is going to do this exact thing. He's going to do this exact thing. He, he's going to be on a mountain, and, and, and somebody's going to come to him and ask him a question. And he's going to answer that question by quoting Scripture. Time and time and time again, Jesus, our model, uh, the, the, the very first disciple maker, quoted Scripture in order to teach people. And he says, now this is your job. As you're going into all the earth, I want you to teach people everything you know. Let me ask you a question. Another one. How many of you have ever felt ineffective as a disciple maker? What if the key to effectively making disciples is not a lack of opportunity but what instead if it's a lack of preparedness on our part because we have not taken the greatest asset that Jesus used to make disciples 
which was scripture memorization, and we've never applied it to our own lives. Does it make sense? Make sense? Okay. Number three. Third reason we should memorize scripture. Ah. Whew. It's a tough one right here. Trials. Trials, right? Scripture memorization is a great encouragement during tough times. Scripture memorization is a great encouragement during tough times. Speaking of time, I want to honor yours, so I won't go through every point that Jesus quotes Scripture during a tough time. Rather, I think maybe we should just turn to what I would say was his toughest time on earth. I'm in Matthew 27 now, so if you want to turn over a couple pages to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 45. Matthew 27, starting in verse 45. Word of the Lord says, From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. About three in the afternoon, this is as Jesus is hanging on the cross, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lima sabathani. That is, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said he's calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a stick and offered him a drink. But the rest said, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. But Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and he gave up his spirit. Suddenly the curtain of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened. Again... Jesus, our model, is facing a great trial. And what does he do when he cries out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? You know what he's doing? Guess what? He's quoting scripture. He's quoting Psalm 22.1. Psalm of David, a man that knew abandonment. A man that knew rejection. Jesus is saying, I get you, brother. Man, I I understand. I'm thankful that you've been there. I'm crying out the way that you cried out. I'm I'm, I'm associating myself with you. I'm, I'm identifying myself with that hurt. I'm crying out to God. I feel what you have felt. I am not alone. I feel like I'm alone, but I'm not alone. Somebody else has walked this path of abandonment before, and I am going to seek refuge in that. And he cries out, Psalm 22.1, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? See, that's what scripture does. And those times when life is tough, when we are struggling, scripture can be an encouragement to us to remind us that we're not alone. Let me ask another question. I told you I've got four questions with four points. How many of you when life gets tough, at some point, have honestly felt like you were alone and nobody else could identify with what you're going through. Right? It's the human condition we all have. We all have. Again, what if, what if there was a way to always know that you're never alone, that other men and women of faith have gone through exactly what you're going through? And what if that key was taking the word of God out of our hands, storing it up in our hearts so that we knew, we knew we're not alone. We're not the only ones to go through this, all right? Last one. Last reason we memorize the word of God, okay? Last T, treasure, treasure. Scripture memorization helps us bear fruit 
that will last. Scripture memorization helps us bear fruit that will last. Now I'm in John chapter 15. John chapter 15. This is the last place I'm going to ask you to turn. And uh, starting in verse 1, I'm going to read through verse 8. John chapter 15, starting in verse 1, I'm going to read through verse 8. John 15, starting in verse 1. And the word of the Lord says, I am, it's Jesus speaking, He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, He removes, and He prunes every branch that produces fruit, so that it will produce more fruit. He says, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. I want you to notice verse 7. Verse 7. I think I've got it on the screen for you. This is the key to the whole passage. How, here's the question you ask. Okay, how do I remain in Jesus? Like, what does that look like? Okay, so evidently it's important if I want to bear fruit that I need to remain in Jesus, but what does that look like? And, and, and verse 7 is the key to understanding John 15. Okay, and here's the key, ready? If you remain in me and my what? My words remain where? And you. So the key to abiding in Christ according to Christ is that the words of Christ would remain in us. They would stay in us. They would, they would abide. They would dwell in us. He says, and if that happens, if the words, uh, if my words, if the words of Christ remain in you, okay, then you can ask whatever you wish and it's going to be done for you. I am the vine and you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay? Now verse 16, if we go on, he's going to say, then you will bear fruit, fruit that will last. Fruit that will last. That's talking about eternal stuff. That's talking about rewards in heaven. That's talking about Matthew chapter 6 kind of stuff, where, where, where the thief cannot break in and steal, where, where the moth cannot destroy, where the rust can, can, cannot uh, corrode. So then you store up treasures in heaven. Again, I'd ask one more question. Anybody here ever been frustrated at their perceived lack of spiritual fruit in their life? Come on. I've been frustrated. Lord, I've read that I'm made to bear much fruit, but sometimes I don't feel like it. What if the key to producing fruit that will last was having the Word of God not just in hand, but storing it up in our heart? You guys see what I'm talking about? I know it sounds like broccoli. I do. I, 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 I get it. I see it on your face. I don't want to do this. I had to memorize something in school and I hated it. I know. I know. But it might be the biggest benefit. It might be the most important thing that you can do as a believer in Jesus. Okay? So let's talk about how to do it. I'm going to give you application. Uh, by the way, the first three are building on the last three messages, so you should already be trying these things. Okay, number one, read. 
Read the scriptures, Bible intake. You've got to have a plan. You have to be in the Word of God for the Word of God to change you, okay? So you've got to be in the scriptures. Read daily, some amount. Remember, if you read for uh, 10 minutes, that's 600 verses, I think we said. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and, and five minutes is 300. And so just read the Bible daily, okay? Then uh, the second thing you have to do, meditate. We talked about meditation. That's lingering longer. Remember the two-second rule. Okay? Every two seconds, you're going to read one verse. And so when you read the Bible for five minutes, go back, and in, as you're reading anything that stands out, underline it, go back to that, and then think on that verse for a few minutes. Okay? So you meditate. Last week, we talked about applying uh, what we learn, right? That we're not just here to be doers of the, uh, or hearers of the word, but we have to do what it says. And so we, on some level, every day as we read the Bible, we should challenge ourselves to put the Bible into practice, all right? Jesus says, anyone who takes these words of mine, puts them into practice, is like a wise builder who builds his house on the rock. He says that anyone that doesn't is foolish. Foolish. Okay? I I hate to confess this, but there have been seasons in my life that I've been a foolish Christian. You know what I'm talking about? You guys been there? Where you've taken in the word, but you didn't put it into practice, and you look back and go, oh, gosh, I was so stupid. If I'd just done it that way, okay? Be a wise builder. And that brings us to the last thing, ready? Store up. Store up. Store up these treasures. And I, do you remember what it said about Mary when Jesus was, was, bur- was born? Do you remember what she did? What did she do? She treasured up all these things in her heart. She, she was remembering. She was soaking it in. Everything that happened. Guys, when it comes to the word of God, that's how we're supposed to respond to Jesus as well. We're supposed to be treasuring up in our hearts all these truths of God. We're supposed to be storing them up in our hearts where, where, where moth and rust cannot destroy. And so we've got to be about scripture memorization. Now, I want to tell you, I want to be honest with you, this cannot be the, the thing. So somebody said, well, how does this work uh, just, just like realistically, pastor? So I'm reading every day, right? And then I'm meditating meditating now every day, and then I write myself a challenge to do every day. I ain't got any time left to memorize scripture, pastor, okay? I get it. So maybe you do this, and, and you try to do it every other day, or, or sit down one day a week that you work on this. But I'm going to give you a method at the end, and you'll see the method. You could just give yourself two minutes of your Bible reading time to this. Two minutes, okay? So I got ten minutes, I'm reading for five, I'm meditating for three, or I'm reading for three, I'm meditating for five, I've got two, I, you know, I've got two left over here, or, or expand it to 15 or 20, that'd be better, all right? But, but it should, I'll show you how it just comes as a little part. And so uh, my, my hope for you is that you can do this in every area that we've talked about, all four of, of these reasons uh, that we'd put them. So like when it comes to temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, for instance, right? So if you're struggling with temptations, maybe you start here and you memorize this verse. No temptation has come upon you except what's common to man. That's the NIV version, what's common to man. But God's faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted. So maybe you just write that down. Say, man, I'm struggling with temptation. And and as a whole, this will be my verse when it comes to temptation. Maybe get more specific and and you can get honest with the Lord. And you're struggling uh, with the temptation of worry. That's what you're struggling with. We talked about that last week, right? And so maybe you go to Matthew 6, where it says, so I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or what you'll wear. Look at the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. They don't spin or labor, uh, nor do they store away in barns. Yet, Yet I tell you that even Solomon and all of his wisdom 
All of his splendor wasn't clothed as, as majestic as these things, right? And so you just, you, you, whatever it is, so, so call it by name. Whatever you're struggling with, go, go look up. You can Google now, or you can look through. The, just, just go to the back of your Bible in the concordance. Okay, worry, doubt, fear, and, and go find those passages. Find a passage that speaks to your heart and try to memorize it, okay? So that's a big deal. I, I told you guys uh, a few months ago, one of the, the game changers in my life was when I started praying portions of the Lord's Prayer. And, and, and when I realized that if Jesus said, this is how I should pray, and there were certain things I, were not, I was not praying every day. And, 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 and that included, you know, counting on God for my provision every day. But it also included, I was not praying every day, and lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. That was just not a, a daily prayer. And I struggled. And I was like, why am I struggling with temptation? Every single day I try to begin my day off, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. It's been a game changer. It's been a game changer, okay? And so, so we start with temptations. And when it comes to teaching, say, well, wow, what should I do when it comes to teaching? Here's maybe some verses you should learn, right? If I'm, if I'm called to, like, this is the greatest thing I can do in life. The greatest thing I can do in life as a follower of Christ is teach people about God. And that's the greatest thing I can do in life. Well, what should I learn? What should I hide in my heart? Maybe something like this. Maybe the Roman road, right? Romans 3.23, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, and you start there, right? That's a good place. And you move on to Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, right? Maybe you, you add in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You go to Romans 10, 9 and 10, right? If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. For with, with our hearts we believe and we're justified and with with. Um, our mouth, we confessed and we're saved. Okay, we, we throw those in. Maybe, maybe you add into that like a John 3.16, which is always good when you're walking through the Roman road. For God so loved, you, most of you know that one already. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Maybe you add in Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace that we've been saved through faith. It's a gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. And, and, and we just begin to build upon these. Guys, I'm, I'm telling you right now, God has called you to be kingdom makers. You. You. Not your pastors. It's called you. The pastor job is to equip you to be kingdom makers. Right? So, so the job, because listen, one person can go out into a town all day. All day. And if they could make one disciple a week, they will spend their life and they'll have this much to show for it. Or an ecclesia of people, that's a church, a gathering, can go out every week, and they could all make one disciple, and that whole city will be reached for the name of Jesus Christ in a few weeks. Right? You see it? It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So, so these are helpful. Memorize these things. Trials, right? What, what about a trial? Uh, if for a trial, maybe you just turn to a passage, uh, something, something that you're trying to work on, and uh, someplace you feel like, and, and you just you, you, you find something that speaks to your spirit, and you just work through it, right? So I'm trying. I, I began efforting uh, this week to try to memorize Isaiah 40. Um, it is uh, 28 through 31. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. And I'm going to close my eyes because if I see you guys, I'm going to be totally off and I promise I'm going to chop this up. But it goes something like, um, do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary, right? 
He never becomes fainter where he says, now I have to cheat. There's no limit to his understanding. There's no limit to his understanding. And, and, and just work through that verse. And so uh, memorizing part by part by part. And, and it's okay to stop and get a cue, right? He gives strength to the weary. And he strengthens the powerless, right? Youths may become weary and faint. And the young may stumble and fall. But he who trusts in the Lord will renew his strength. He'll soar on wings like eagles. That's the NIV version. That's the one I had memorized. So trying to memorize that new version is killing me. He will run and not become weary. He will walk and not faint. So we just, we work on it. We work through it. We work on it every day, okay? Our last one is treasure. As we talk about abiding, again, find something. Uh, maybe maybe a, a verse that speaks to your heart about love for God, right? What can separate us from the love of Christ? Neither height nor depth. Right, find some passage that speaks that, and you just work through it. Now, how do you work through it? This is the last thing we've got to tie it up, because I'm running way over, and the coffee is ready to drink. Okay, so last thing. So here's, here's a method I'm trying. I've tried a lot of different methods. I like this one. Um, and, and so I'm working through this. It, it, it's easy. It's 10, 10, 10. So just think of three tens. So you read it 10 times. Just read the verse. And I, don't do a whole passage. Do like one verse at a time. So read the verse 10 times out loud. Done, right? Okay, then... You can try to close it, or you, you do it with the Bible open, and you just look back. Then you say it ten times out loud, okay? And then you repeat that same thing for ten days. And as you get good at it, you, you add. So, so I'm repeating, and it's day two, and I've got it nailed. So I'm going to repeat it as I do the same thing with verse two. Do you understand? Okay, so I start with verse 10, 10, 10 uh, you know, I'm on day two, now I've got it down, so now I'm going to add verse two in, and so I'm going to repeat again for eight more days, I'm going to do verse one as I add verse two, and then I'm going to go to verse three. And so, and, and try to, at first, try to stick to maybe little sections of scripture that are four to five verses, okay? Something like that. If you say, I'm going to do the whole book of James, God bless you. Um, God bless you. Uh, and there are people out there that do that. But, but I've, man, I've, I've just, I've found this helpful in my own life. Don't, don't feel guilty for having to look and double check. Oh, oh yep, it's that word. Um, I like key, key words to kind of, oh, it's because. I've got to remember that word because. And you just work through it every day. And guys, I'm here to tell you the benefits are off the charts. Okay? Join me in a word of prayer. Father, um, thank you for loving us. Thank you for teaching us why it is so important that we memorize your word. Would you do a work in us this week? Uh, Call us unto yourself. Remind us of the importance of this thing. I think we all know this is something we should be doing, but we do not like it. Lord, if there's any um, kind of bad memories in there that are forcing us to think of this in in a bad light, maybe we had to memorize something in school and we hated it. God, would you just do away with those and would you remind us of the benefits of this? We ask these things in your holy, powerful, and precious name. Amen. And again, just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, the same thing that we've done every single week, would you just kind of Open your hands there to the Lord. We're going to have a moment of confession. And uh, as, as we, we walk through these things, uh, would you just pray this prayer with me? Uh, Lord, I've often been empty when it comes to fighting temptation. God, I've often been empty when it comes to fighting temptation. Father, too many times I've had an opportunity to make a disciple or to teach someone And there too, I've been empty. Lord, many times in life I've walked through trials. And again, I've felt empty. I've felt alone. And Lord, 
The truth is when I read your word and it talks about bearing fruit again, I feel like I'm falling short. Lord, would you take that emptiness that I feel today and would you begin filling me up? Would you help me in this discipline, in this habit to take your word out of my hands and start storing it in my heart by the power of your Holy Spirit? Please do this in my life. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen.